Hi, I am Kerry Massenton, the founder and director of Mind Over Matter Project Suicide Prevention. And today we have... I am Joe Fletcher, and I'm raising awareness on mom and suicide prevention and mental health awareness. Right, and today we're talking about chronic fatigue, um, chronic fatigue syndrome. And that's what you have, right? Yes, that's right, yeah. And you also called it another word when you said, um, when I asked you what... what what is it your diagnosis you use the word me that's right yeah and i couldn't relate that word me with actually chronic for syndrome fatigue syndrome i i was looking for does that word match does that make make sense so i couldn't relate so the fact that i can't relate that's hence why we've got you in here today and i'm going to learn about what chronic fatigue fatigue i keep saying that wrong i apologize chronic fatigue syndrome is also known as ME, right? Yeah. Okay, so please tell us about um, your symptoms. How did you, what, before you get to the development of the diagnosis, tell us a little yeah. bit about what your life was before you developed that diagnosis, before you found out about it. I mean, as a child, kind of before I had ME, I was quite a happy family in that. I mean, I was always kind of quite an anxious child and a bit of a perfectionist and like the teachers used to say that I would keep rubbing things out and like erasing things and redoing them and I remember getting like really stressed because I'd get one question wrong in the spelling test and I like, begged the teacher to let me retake it so and I was always quite sensitive as well if like I got teased and that so I was always kind of really sensitive to everything but it first kind of really developed when I was about, about the age of nine and I would get really chronic stomach aches and have to be sent home from school. And so I would just end up laying on the um, sofa and my mum would like, have to carry me up to bed and I would spend a lot of my time sleeping. And then I would just kind of like have the, the really tiredness and the kind of bluey type feelings. And But it was mainly the stomach and I couldn't really eat a lot. I would just eat peanut butter sandwiches would be the only thing I would eat. And so, um, it's kind of I had it, and then my dad developed it as well, and my two brothers. The same time? Um, well, it all kind of, each one of um, the two brothers and I was around about the age of nine, ten sort of age. It came up in um, with us. And then it kind of also would be like really painful limbs and um, kind of couldn't stand, painful back, um, kind of walking was really difficult, um, kind of a lot of tiredness and stress as well from it. So are you saying to me that your parents, um, your family had it first and, and then they, they were diagnosed or you all got diagnosed at the same time? I'm unsure. I'm unclear of that statement. You said your your dad had it and another member had it. Well, I was, because I mean, the way it kind of worked was that a lot of doctors didn't believe in it at the time and they would kind of, they saw it as just being like a school phobia and we was making it up. Yeah. And so, but I went to a paediatrician, um, I'd known since I was really small and he was the first one who diagnosed it because we'd never even heard of it before mm. and it was him who diagnosed it but we kind of had a lot of battles with um, the local authorities and that and they were kind of threatening to prosecute my parents and the kind of doctors would make us go to school and I remember when I was 11 I was made to go to secondary school because the doctor said basically if you didn't try he wouldn't support us mm. and I went into the first lesson spent about half an hour I was just so ill I went to the teacher and the teacher could see my face and send me to like deputy head 
and then he was kind of taking me to the nurse's room and just because I said this is a big school when talking to him he then got in his head that I was just kind of anxious about being at school right and so that every every lesson he would make me try the lesson I'd spend about 20 30 minutes in the lesson the teacher would send me back to him he would again just make me try the next lesson and my whole day spent like that and actually my friends bless him actually took me to another teacher and tried to beg this teacher to phone my parents to take me home mm. and the teacher went and spoke to the deputy head and he said no and I mean he really tried and actually wrote a story about that because he kind of tried his hardest to convince his teacher and that to kind of get me so we kind of had that but luckily because my parents fostered as well uh, the social worker would come round and she saw us <coughs> so I got a bit um a fog in my throat yeah, she kind of went round um, us ill on the sofa and that, and she vouched for us with the local education authority, and they um, kind of backed off them, but they were threatening prosecute, and they were like other families where they had actually taken the children into care, and I heard stories of like kids just being thrown in the swimming pool and told to swim, and I mean there's a video, and there was like one girl in Holland who was actually put in a psychiatric hospital, because they were basically telling people they were just mentally ill or that, or they were faking it, or they were ill at school. So we kind of had that pressure on us as well. But because the social worker vouched for us, that kind of let us, um, they backed off. But I remember being at school, there was one really horrible doctor in that who was kind of really against us and kind of felt like and that and wouldn't support us at all. And so for my teenage years, I actually went to a school with children with disabilities, which, um, yeah, that was quite an eye-opener as well. I mean, you kind of see a different side of life in that you, most people don't really realise, um, kind of people. But it's also kind of, was great because then you kind of saw disabled children as well and you just saw them as like just the same children in that whereas a lot of people will kind of judge that won't they and kind of get these ideas in your head so it's kind of two sides that I actually got that and to be friends and that so why was there were some good experiences as well. Jay why was you put into a different school? Um, basically because I just couldn't um, handle physically being at the mainstream school and mentally handle that and so they kind of suggested I went to a disabled school. So, so hold on a minute. So you've gone to a normal, let me, I'm trying to understand this. You've yeah, gone, sure. You've gone to a normal school and then your body is in tremendous pain. Yeah. No one's understanding yeah. that. They're thinking that you're trying to play truant. They're thinking you don't like school, just elaborating on your story. Um, they're thinking that you're making it all up and even your friend stood up for you and said he's not he's not lying your friend yeah. believed in you where the adults didn't but what i can't understand is why you would be taken out of mainstream school and put in a disabled school is there was there an, for chronic you wasn't even at this point you wasn't diagnosed so for is it because you got behind in work and then they felt that you may have a disability no, I mean, I was diagnosed, but even with the diagnosis, a lot of doctors still wouldn't accept that because they didn't believe that it existed. They kind of, so even though I had the diagnosis, a lot would still wouldn't accept it. And like a lot of the local authorities at the time wouldn't accept that as being a natural condition because at the time it wasn't really accepted by a lot of doctors and a lot of medical professionals. But you could read and write, right? You was reading and writing. Yeah, yeah, but it was the actual being in the mainstream school and the kind of, Whereas in a disabled school, it was a lot more relaxed. There was kind of shorter classes, I could rest. And, and even now, I struggled to know a lot of the time. I mean, I kind of went some of the time, but it was still a struggle for me. So, God, it's, 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 
a lot of moving around, unsettling, and the fact of no one was believing you, but your parents was, but no yeah, one was believing you outside, and it must have been um, affected your parents also. The fact of being threatened with um, social services. I mean, that's, uh, and then you're hearing the actual stories that children are being taken away, put into the care system, taken away from their children. Uh, parents put into the care system and there you are your parents are fighting exactly for you to stay where you are but to look into the medical detail of what's going on with you and that's not it's really sad to hear what you're saying you know hearing that you are one of the lucky ones who managed to remain where you are but there yeah. is other people having and i think this is a big eye opener to me joe what you're saying is that other people's children are being taken away from them because of their medical condition not exactly because of bad behavior, but because of the medical condition uh, yeah. that's preventing them from attending school. And your school school welfare is going to be why aren't your school going, kids going to school, etc. So, you know, it's a vicious circle when there is children to make sure that these children are being raised correctly and they are attending school. So, they can you blame them for doing a thorough investigation? Um, no, I can't blame them for the investigation, but it's kind of the fact they wouldn't accept that and they could see us that the parents did try sending the um, me and my brothers and that. And they even like stopped my brother going home at lunchtime because they said that he wasn't coming back because he was too ill. And I mean, he would have like severe headaches and that. And the doctors would say that and like the teachers could see we were ill, but it was the actual kind of the head ones and that just wouldn't accept it. And like I say, because the social worker of the foster children saw us actually ill on the sofa and she vouched for us, it was then that they backed off. Mm. So it was only because she vouched for us that they accepted it then, but they just wouldn't accept what my parents were saying. Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, and so We will get to the sip and read out what chronic fatigue syndrome is about. So all of this sleeping, you're not playing with your friends, nothing's going on there you're the majority of the time you're spending sleeping yeah yeah and I mean I'm lucky I had my brothers as well so I mean I still had some connection and that and I mean I did have friends still when I was at school but I kind of lost them a lot and then but then I still at the disabled school had quite a few friends there as well so it was kind of I did still have friendships and that like when I could mm -hmm. attend and that mm -hmm. but it was kind of like on and off sort of thing you, you had more more support in a smaller school than you would in a big school, so... Yeah, that's right, yeah, and you know, also from the teachers and that as well, because obviously they understood more people with disabilities. And... Yeah, which is better for you, but give you more of a chance to, uh, to, to live your life to the fullest rather than being ridiculed uh, yeah. for, for your disability. Um, I'm sorry that you went through that, and I really give credit to your parents for hanging on and going through that and sticking by your side as well. You know, so signs of problems, swollen glands and tender lymph nodes and sore throat. That happens to you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I did get these, I would get a lot of throat infections and swollen glands. I mean, that was quite common and um, viruses. I would get a lot of viruses. Mm. And um, remember I had like cough that probably lasted a couple of years. And um, I kind of had bronchitis at one point. Mm -hmm. And so I'd get a lot of kind of urine infections as well and things like that. And so I would get kind of ill really easily. And it was, um, yeah, so there was kind of that to it as well. 
Is there a day that you have a clear day or is this every single day? Um, at the time, it was pretty much every single day. I mean, it was kind of, there were some days that kind of feel a bit better and then kind of try going to school for a little while. Mm-hmm. But then kind of like the stress of that would then kind of trigger it as well. Or kind of if I had disputes with people, other kids or kind of they teased me or that, or that sensitivity would come back in and then that would trigger it again. So it would kind of right. go back to... So that's what you said. So the, the triggers, we use the word triggers. For those that don't know, it's... Uh, how can you use another word of trigger? Because trigger wasn't used, that word trigger was not used a few years back, was it? We're hearing yeah. words like trigger, gaslighting, they're all new words, right? So to, to explain it, uh, an emotion. So if you're being bullied, we'll we'll use that as it sets in the depression, yeah? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't even kind of bullying. I mean, a lot of it was kind of just joking around, but kind Mock. of I would, I would always kind of, because I was like diagnosed with Asperger's as well, and I would always kind of struggle to understand kind of social situations. And so I would maybe take things to heart a lot more easily mm-hmm. and kind of, or not understand when people would say things and kind of, whereas it's kind of like, it could just be like kind of a little joke or something, or somebody would say something, I would kind of get really stressed out about it. Mm-hmm. And then it would kind of, I suppose you could say activate it, then it'd be kind of as maybe a alternative to trigger it. Yeah. Um, Fear, worry, anxious, anxiety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then that would kind of trigger the ME then, because that would kind of shut me down again. Mm. And that, and this is why we say it's important when people are suffering from depression to, to seek as much happiness as possible because it, it does really um, boost your immune system, you know. And, yeah. then, and so therefore if you're miserable, upset, you know, and even dealing with what you're dealing with is going to be pulling down that immune system, you know. So it's your, and you're going to tell us about the bear in a little bit and hibernation in a little bit. Just yeah, and I mean, because also what happened is because... I was ill and wasn't exercising and I was just eating peanut butter sandwiches. I did get overweight as well. So really? kids would kind of say about that and kind of like call me fat and that, and that would kind of like extra. Can you tell me why you was only eating peanut butter sandwiches, please? It was just the thing, the only thing I could really fancy and it was the only thing I could kind of, um, I guess, digest and that without the stomach hurting. And it was just something, I mean, I think that's quite a common thing that people will just kind of have one kind of food and that and uh, they do say that's common with Asperger's as well, that people will pick one kind of common food. Really? Are you still eating that then, the same thing? No, now I kind of have quite... I mean, I'm vegetarian now, and I'm actually quite varied with my diet now. And actually, I've kind of quite branched out. But when I was then, at the time, that was all I, I would eat, and it was kind of... Yeah, it was just the only thing I fancied, and didn't eat anything else, really. And just didn't kind of... Anything, yeah, kind yeah. of attract me, really. So, changing your diet... Do you think that's helped you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's definitely helped with the stomach. Mm-hmm. And I found, um, yeah, since vegetarian, that I've actually kind of, because um, I used to get loads of heartburn and that, and still get it a little, but it's definitely settled down and kind of, I had a lot of IBS and that kind of thing. That's really settled I, now. I was just about to ask you about the IBS. Um, I suffer from that myself, and it is the most annoying thing ever for myself. Um, yeah because the minute you, my eyes are open, there is no, I have to go. Um, I, I'd like to lay in, but so if my sleep is interrupted, um, it's woken me up, but my, my clock, it, I just, 
I wish I could just train it and retrain it to say stop, you know? Um, it's inconvenient and it can be embarrassing. Um, but to turn that around, is it, have you managed to turn yours around a little bit now by eating different foods or yeah, cutting definitely. out coffee? But something else that's come to me as well is that when I was a kid that um, they found, I don't know, they found it, but there was an Emily specialist Mm-hmm. And um, he was kind of he'd been kicked out of the NHS because of his um, ideas, and that didn't really Ooh. kind of fit in. But but he was like private, and originally, of course, my brother was going to go, and his um, my granddad was going to pay for him. But eventually, <laughs> they agreed to pay, and I went to him as well. And so he kind of battled for us, and he did a graduated exercise plan for me, mm-hmm. which kind of set me on the road to kind of um, I started to get better then than when I than I was, and. Um, I had to like, in the end I left that disabled school because I had like kind of problems with this boy who was a lot bigger than me when I went away on this trip and he basically made me um, sniff an aerosol and smoke a cigarette or otherwise he was going to beat me up and I was kind of a small child at 15 so my parents kind of took me out of school then and so I tried going to college at 15 to do my GCSEs which I kind of really struggled and couldn't really do the work but even though I kind of couldn't do the coursework I still got C in maths even just doing the exam without the coursework so that was kind of an achievement for me. So yeah, so I kind of had that as well, and it was all kind of pressuring onto me and that. So it's kind of body sometimes just shuts down, doesn't it? And so, so you've been. It, it feels like you've. When you pull me back into the young age, it feels like it's an an enormous amount of moving around and not a lot of stability for me. The only stability you had was your home. Yeah, everybody, yeah. everybody outside of your home, you had to justify, you know, uh, who you were and what you were going through. And people wouldn't either give you the time of day that they did give you the time of day. So either way, you were kind of hindered, just what I'm saying, until you came into your yeah. own uh, own discovery. So I want to talk about, I'm going to reel off for the audience, is, is about your symptoms. Even though you've got your own yeah. symptoms, there are other people that have different symptoms as well. So according to the NHS, and that's what we're using here, is the main symptom of, and they also call it CFS. Never, have you noticed that they abbreviate a lot of stuff and we don't know what that means sometimes? So that again is chronic fatigue syndrome, um, ME. Um, what does the ME, the, the M stand for and the E? And it's the, the E is a big long word isn't it echo what does the m stand for again i'll get to it in a minute (laughs) see if i can find it in here um so some of your symptoms of chronic fatigue syndromes are sleep problems what's that like for you i mean it's really difficult kind of at night to keep waking up and that and um i mean i was kind of put on medication as well i can kind of talk about the medications i was put on that was kind of another thing that um they tried different things on me and that and um so yeah so i would kind of keep waking up in the night and you kind of have a sleep but wake up and still be really tired yeah so, so what, like, they tried to give you sleeping tablets or something like that well they gave me like antidepressants because they said they used it for sleep as a treatment mm-hmm. for me and they also gave me prozac for a while which they said would kind of boost my energy prozac prozac i have heard a lot of stories about prozac because one one of the things about prozac back in the day is that it actually caused depression that's what a lot of people said that it's supposed to take away or mask it 
uh, it's just a mask as it is, you know what I mean? And so we're yeah. taking these tablets to mask how we about depression. But you said they tried to give you something Prozac to well, help I mean, there's been see. people playing to think that their child's taking their life after taking Prozac. I mean, That's it's still isn't that, and people have been to court for that. But mm -hmm. for me, it just basically kind of ramped me up to like really overstressed and kind of I would be, I've got really bad shakes from it. And it was kind of like bad experience um, on Prozac. A bad yeah, experience. yeah, and I kind of and eventually they took me off it. Luckily, I mean, there's stories of oh. people that get put on more and more medication because of it, and then they end up like down a rabbit hole because of that. Yeah, and they'll stay. I mean, I've heard stories of people say that the doctors were telling them it's unlocked other things that were hiding and that they need to take more medication. But luckily, I had a good doctor who took me off it when it wasn't kind of working for me. Yeah. I was also given the menetriptyline, the antidepressants, and eventually that started making my hair fall out. And so I went to the GP and they said, that can't happen. And I don't mean just like, they just reckoned it was like, um, what they call it, male pattern baldness early, but it was like clumps of hair. And so she said it couldn't be possibly because of that. But in the end, we kind of insisted and they switched me to another medication and it stops then. So it obviously was that. But I mean, I'm kind of off medication completely now. So, I mean, that's something that's been about two, uh, probably a couple of years now. So and we're going to talk I, about I was, on, I was on antidepressants for about 25 years or something. So it's, um... and, and we, we're going to talk about how you replace that. Just well, what's as soon as I go through this list, we'll yeah, talk yeah, about sure. we'll, we'll go to the elevating side of you, your life yeah. yeah okay so what comes in here is uh sleep problems muscle and joint pain is that what happened to you too yeah yeah muscle and joint pains mm -hmm. is kind of chronic okay. like muscle and joint pains and um walking is difficult i couldn't walk very far really it's kind of um and also yeah that muscles in the legs um so it's very restricted on kind of walking and running wasn't possible at all gosh um headaches as well yeah, I mean, kind of my brother would get really bad migraines. Mine came out more in my stomach than in my head, but I would get a lot of, if I tried reading, kind of like a queasy feeling in my head. Mm -hmm. um, not normal sort of body queasy feeling. Um, kind of concentration is really difficult and kind of reading. And my parents did even try, I did have some homeschooling as well, like they had a tutor come round. Mm -hmm. And so I would do a bit of that as well. But it was just kind of really hard with the concentration would kind of completely wipe me out again. Yeah, and then it says uh, problems thinking, remembering, concentrating. Now that goes a lot also with uh, depression uh, and and a lot of the diagnoses that are out there as well on the mental health side of it. Um, which is the again, if you're bogged down with you know your stomach pain and and you're tired, um, your body just not feeling a hundred percent. It's bound to affect you when you're not eating properly as well. It's bound to affect you in in, yeah. in, in these ways as, as problems of thinking and remembering and concentrating because the, is it really that painful? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of always hard to remember. How can we demonstrate your level of pain? Um, I know that it's your body, but it would be, I don't know, something... We've, we've all fell over, haven't we? That hurts. Yeah? But the stinging pain of it, that's no comparison, no, though. If you imagine when you get a bad stomach, um, people kind of get, um, what do you call it, gas is it gastroenteritis or...? Yeah, or um, period pains, but you wouldn't know that, but... I mean, no, but it kind of, that sort of really painful in your stomach. Painful. Um, 
sort of dabbled over. Yeah, uh, good. Well, if, I, if I'm honest, I mean, we're, we, are, we are adults here. I mean, when I was younger, I used to have bad period pains and that would be double. There's a lot of people out there that have bad period pains. And it is a sinking feeling. There's no energy with it. There's nothing like that. And I couldn't imagine living how you've been living like that on a daily basis. Do you know what I mean? Women yeah. go through it for a couple of days, a, a month, etc. And some people go through it more frequently than others, but that pain is, is, is immense then. So I'm not you, you're not me, but if you talk about stomach pains and those kind of pains, they're heavy. They're about to drag you down, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Then we got flu-like symptoms, it says. Flu-like symptoms, can you explain? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of one of them difficult ones to really explain. I mean, I get a lot of cold, like kind of the um, um, running noses and that, and sore throats. I did have a lot of sore throats. I remember I used to um, have a lot of sprays and that, and that would kind of happen quite a lot, and they would give me antibiotics and that. But it's kind of, I don't know, it's that run-down feeling of flu, and it's kind of hard. I don't really know how to describe it. I haven't got a word for it. It's just kind of... When you've got flu, you feel that kind of thing in your body that um, just makes you feel ill and that, and kind of run down. And it's, um, I remember last year, I was just, if I overdo it and that, I would have to, just five weeks, it would wipe me out for like five weeks and I'll just end up sleeping most of the time and just not feeling like getting out of bed really. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of, um, that's what I felt like doing. And it was like, and then you kind of get frustrated that you can't do anything as well. And then it's kind of, you kind of feel like, oh no, I've relapsed and that and gone back and that, and so you kind of get all that fear as well and that. And what about fast and irregular heartbeats, um, palpitations? Um, Does that happen to you? Only it's kind of like, even if I tried running short distances, but I don't kind of recall anything. It's not something that jumps out at me that was a big kind of... Um, a lot of anxiety in that, but I can't call in sort of particularly that. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Um, it says here the severity of the symptoms can vary from day to day or, or even within a day. Wow. Yes, this, I'm reading this off the, off the NHSC. Um, diagnosing chronic fatigue, fatigue syndrome. There is not a specific test for it, so it's diagnosed based on your symptoms and by ruling out other conditions that could be causing your symptoms. The GP will ask you about your symptoms and your medical history. You may also have blood tests and urine tests. Yeah. Is this hereditary? Because you mentioned your brother and your, your, your uh, father's got it. So is that because it's hereditary? Um. Well, they don't really know. I mean, they used to say it wasn't, and then they're saying possibly. Well, how do you... It's strange we had kind of a cluster around where we were because my headmaster at primary school as well, he retired early from it. So that was kind of the first one uh, before us that he retired. Um, they've never defined whether it is or not. I just don't understand that how most of your family can have it. Are they um, actually... Because you said you were fostered, right? No, I wasn't fostered, no. Sorry, that's my parents fostered, but I wasn't actually fostered myself. Okay, so, so these are your parents fostered, so these are your actual biological. So these are your, your biological. I can't understand how others in your family have got it. That's what I'm saying. 
So, yeah. so to me, that's a clear unless. So it's not caused by anything you've eaten, not caused by the environment, nobody knows how you've got it, but isn't that kind of peculiar that all of you, three of you, have that? Yeah, my dad as well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's what I find interesting. Um, it says, right, so it says here, we'll get to the treatment. Causes of chronic fatigue syndrome. It's, known, it's not known what causes it, but there are a number of theories. For example, it may be triggered by an infection, a certain and or certain factors could make more likely to develop the illness. Suggested causes of triggers for um, chronic fatigue, fatigue syndrome: uh, viral infections such as glandular fever, bacteria infections such as pneumonia, problem with the immune system, and a hormone imbalance, mental health problems such as stress and emotional traumas. Um, it's your genes. Wow, you see that it says it does say that. It says your genes, uh, chronic fatigue syndrome seems to be more common in some families. Yeah. Uh so there kind of be a link there then, isn't there? There's got to be, it's got according to the NHS. So um treating chronic fatigue syndrome. I mean it says conical behaviour therapy C B T. Okay. Um a structured yeah, structured exercise program called graded exercise therapy because obviously they are saying that if you exercise it can actually make it worse so it's a kind of you know yeah, tricky kind of one that one isn't it yeah that's it, it it does say here here's the positive uh, they also say uh, medicine as well most people with chronic fatigue syndrome will improve over time especially with treatment although some people do not make full recovery it is also likely there will be periods when your symptoms get better or worse children and young people with chronic fatigue syndrome me are more likely to recover fully right so we found out the causes within reason we find out how you can get it diagnosed within reason now when we talk about treating the this or any illness because i'm just going to say it this way is that all right if we talk about treating chronic fatigue or any illness any disability or diagnosis we have to get that brain capacity right as much as we can so here we are how do you in 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 your adulthood um move forward with your life what have you in what have you done to implement change in your life to manage your recovery? Yeah, I mean, so it was kind of like, I mean, another thing they gave me was hemoglobin injections, which was like blood plasma. Hemoglobin. I so it... I mean, they were kind of just basically trying different, hemoglobin they call it, but it's like okay. plasma. But it's plasma from blood and it's supposed to be boost the immune system. Right. I remember they nicked a bone as well. And like, for months I had a really chronic pain in my hip could hardly move um, oh. just from the injection where they bruised the bone and it's so um but they don't really use that now but it was mainly kind of yeah i had the graded exercises which kind of helps me start but then i would go to college and that and i went to university and did music and i kind of numbered through but there would be periods where i would get tired and so it did kind of improve mm-hmm. um to a certain extent but it was only kind of the last year and then i kind of discovered that 
what I was saying, the um, Sydney Banks and the Three Principles, and then Dr. Bill Pettit and seeing him, I kind of had a really massive shift. And it was kind of from realising what we were saying about that, that kind of power of thought, isn't it, that comes. And then we kind of use that. And then we cause like loads and loads of stress as I kind of did. And then the body has ways of kind of helping you by shutting down your body or different people have different ways of doing it. And he kind of described it as like a hibernating bear. And it's kind of gone from, because we have this stress response system that every human, every creature has. And that in like the worst situations, um, kind of like a tiger was bearing down on you, your body would obviously need to just concentrate on everything it needs to kind of survive that situation. And so it kind of sends all the adrenaline and it shuts down all the things you don't need in your body. The kind of things like your immune system, your reproductive system. But we're only kind of designed to be in that situation for like 30 minutes every 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And if we're in longer, then it kind of causes damage to our body. And so basically, kind of when you're really stressed, really anxiety and that, you're actually putting your body into that kind of status of being um, trying to defend itself. And so it's kind of looking that actually the body will do things to try and help you. And so in some ways it's trying to help you just get out of that kind of uh, response that you're creating. And I mean, it's kind of like first when I heard Dr. Pettick, because I always kind of had that big thing back in my life that yeah, it ruined my life and if I hadn't had it and that and then suddenly I started thinking well did I cause this myself and it's kind of that innocence though and it's kind of hearing that was helps that we're always doing the best we can throughout life and it's very much like well with the thinking we have at that amount of time we don't know that that's not real and so we're kind of doing the best we possibly can and so it's never blaming that because it's very easy to kind of think more people are blaming us for it or I'm blaming myself and it's never about that it's recognizing that actually we're doing the best we can all the time and it's and it's not about it's kind of about that actually there's other ways out of it that because I was told basically if you didn't get better with ME with five years that was it you were kind of condemned to it for life Mm. and so I kind of resigned myself to that really that that was it I kind of had ME and then there was no chance of me really other than finding a miracle cure and then it was kind of seen that actually beyond kind of like our physical body and the kind of physical conditions or the diagnosis and that, we kind of have that purity of ourselves, that kind of light in ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that, the first thing I heard him say that, uh, it was when I heard Sidney Banks in the recording saying that, that that we're actually all living mental health underneath yeah. everything. Yeah. And that it's kind of like, if everybody can see it and actually see within themselves, and it's kind of like the doctors don't see that and see beyond, that actually we all have that hope that we can move on with our lives and, and kind of change our lives and live a new life and 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 use the tools we have even for the small ability to make it happen um yeah, yeah and 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 i think that's where when we look at life now I, when we're dealing with people with chronic fatigue which is again very similar to fibromyalgia right yeah yeah okay and um, so when we're dealing with these disabilities and these things that make us sleep, we, we have to do, we have to implement tools for our health and well-being and structure. So what is your daily routine Monday to Friday? Um, well, I mean, I always kind of make sure I get up at the same time. So I get up sort of nine and get ready and kind of have the big, big structure. And then I do some kind of meditation and I'll listen to some kind of spiritual teachings, um, some Sydney maybe. And then I'm kind of doing some, kind of like the work that um, we do. 
maybe kind of and that's kind of a thing I'm starting on now and doing a bit of um, some courses and that on kind of um, some of them on the spirituality some of them on like more coaching that kind of training and so I kind of have that and then I kind of sort of balance out do some of some things some of another thing uh, always go to a meditation class in the afternoon which kind of every helps day? me kind of... every day yeah every day yeah every day um it, um, I think if we can help other people out there arrange this, these classes available for other people to attend. Can we, yes, yes, they are. Yes, so we can put a... the link with this. Uh, we can put the link out there as well. Um, I feel that when we're raising awareness, we're actually telling people these are the tools. Try this. Try that. At least try something rather than yeah. letting these disabilities or these illnesses really take over our lives you know so at least try something different if you're gonna sit because you don't know that this is the problem with a lot of people they're giving labels they're giving diagnoses and that's all that means for them for the rest of their life yeah. and then they get into this right and they've got nothing nothing structured nothing ventured nothing to do and it's that's their routine from Monday to Friday. And so therefore you feel that, mm, not very interesting, that's what you're gonna get. It's like ordering on a menu, isn't it? You know that that menu is gonna be the same each day. But when do you rotate it and change up the menu, try something different, because um, you don't know the benefits of it. And so where you are now, nice to meet you, Joe. but I, I think, you know, to meet you, you've introduced me to a, a lovely gentleman called Harry Dubisky. Did I say that name? Dubitsky. Yeah, um, who, who, in honour of Sydney Banks, is is um, never met the man, but I listened to one of his podcasts, which is talking about mind, consciousness, and thought. Or did I get it either way around? And this is where your medicate your meditation is coming into play. This is where your thought process is being changed because somebody yeah. else is introduced to you a different way of thinking and to open up your um, higher consciousness. Um, yeah, it's very much, I was going to say, it's very much kind of that we have the intellectual sort of thinking mind. Yeah. And it's when that kind of quiets, then we have this inner kind of knowledge, um, kind of inspiration that will actually guide us. Mm -hmm. And so it's actually kind of that that comes from the universe of that what we're all kind of part of, aren't we? Or some people call it Mother Nature, or if you kind of indigenous people call it the Great Spirit. Do, do and you... it's kind of flows through us. So when we kind of get quiet in our head, it kind of lets it through and it's very much kind of quietening down really. And it's kind of um, whichever way people can find it. And then that's where the healing kind of comes from. Mm. And so it's, yeah. When you look around, because you were saying to me that you've had a bit of an awakening, correct? Yeah, I mean, I can talk about that as well because I went through a bit of a bit of a crap show there as well. No, please. You know what? This is your time to tell yeah. your story, and 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 what you feel that viewers need to hear, but you want them to understand that you've moved from that, progressed, and these are the tools that you're using for progression. Please tell us. What... Yeah. So I mean, I was kind of like, so yeah, I was kind of setting down, but I was still kind of get obsessions and anxieties and that and I just remember I got really really anxiety in bed and I woke up and then suddenly it just kind of had this massive kind of shift in me like a breakthrough but it was like and for about five six seconds it just felt like I was just so much positive sort of energy was going into me but then I kind of like 
like my thinking kind of started up again and then that kind of stopped and then it was just like I'd been charged up like trying to put a power socket in me and put a thousand volts in me and then it just went like I just put my foot down on an accelerator pedal and my brain was just spinning so fast and I just couldn't sit still for even like two seconds I couldn't read a book and my mind would just go and I couldn't watch telly and my parents said it was like I disappeared for about three weeks and I kind of think I imagine that's what kind of people who've been diagnosed with ADHD, maybe that's what it's like. And if it is, I've got so much compassion for them because it was <laughs> horrific. I was just, I just couldn't focus on anything. And it was just like, almost like my consciousness was trying to go off somewhere else. Uh-huh. And it felt like it was just trying to go into the universe. And so I was kind of going through this and getting all these like insights coming through. And I told my friend, and I mean, he'd been in diagnosed schizophrenic and he'd been in hospital now and he'd had similar experience, but he knew, because he was a free principles trained facilitator and he'd just rung me up and he spoke to me for about 30, 40 minutes, just talking over me because I was just babbling in that. And he brought my mind down to a certain kind of a level that slowed it down. But it was just still so spinning all the time. And I was kind of like, then I started thinking I was this like new guru, spiritual guru, and I was going to like, and I Save the really, world. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, all these things and that. But then I started getting into like, well, I actually feel really crap. And I thought I'd had this enlightenment, but I felt terrible. And I started thinking, I don't want this, I hate this, I was doing so well before and I want to get rid of this and my mind was just getting faster and faster. And then just sort of out of nowhere, this thought came that, no, this is not an enlightenment because an enlightenment is a beautiful experience. This is your thinking causing it. And I tried like exercise before and I tried Tai Chi and I tried all these things and it was slowed down temporary, but at one fall, like that, my brain just slowed down, like I'd taken my foot off the accelerator. And so I kind of, that, but my, I was still kind of, getting this weird feeling in my brain. And then I remembered watching, um, I showed you Dr. Bill Pettit was talking about how we have a body alarm system that would kind of signal us when we were kind of stressing ourselves out and that. I just noticed I was getting this weird feeling inside my brain. And I can't describe the feeling. It was like pain, but before pain. And so it was a feeling, but it didn't hurt. And I just noticed it. And when I noticed it, it went and my brain slowed down and then it, came about five, six more times. And just noticing that and remembering it was an alarm just kind of slowed me down each time. And so from that, I kind of was much slower. But then I was kind of in this group and that, this kind of coaching spiritual group and I was putting all these insights I was getting because I just thought I was getting this like word of God coming to me that I should share it with the world and I had no right to decide. And a lot of people didn't like it and I'd get into these arguments. But then I suddenly just, this one little thought of that, the government had gotten on to me about it and then I just suddenly got really, really paranoid that the government was after me and that I started making up all these silly stories that like the ego was CIA can, can, can I be? Can I, can I relate to that? That happened to me of 15, 2015, 16 for a while. I've been paranoid about everything out there and that it's not, and that's when I woke up. Do you see what I'm saying? I, yeah. I it, it was, it was a really strange feeling to, to, to see beyond your depression and disability, that's why what, what we're talking about when we mention awakening, that means that the focus that we once had, that yeah. this stuff, we don't look at life like that now. We, we, we It's there, but what we do, the tools to implement the concentration level, it's not on that, is it? It's on making beautiful, <laughs> beautiful something beautiful out of life. So the disabilities, they're less focused on more of yeah. the uh, possibilities are more focused on. That's what where we're at, isn't it? Um, with this um, principles, because 
if we are going to remain negative, it brings everything else into play. Yeah, your stomach, your chronic fatigue, the, your, 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 your anxiety, the fear, the, the... Everything goes when you're not in the right frame of mind. And so yeah. you're, what you're trying to demonstrate here today is that you have put yourself through everything and anything to try and understand yeah. that... But, but I'll explain about, I mean, I'm just going to say about that, is that, I mean, I didn't even realise I was in it, it just seemed so real, and I'd get all those past things that seemed irrelevant, and I would just link them up together, mm-hmm. and because I suddenly got into my head that, like, I was being recruited or something, like, I was going to be, like, kind of rebel to change the world and that, and that the group I was in was part of that, and that they were recruiting me to it, and I was all excited about that, but then when it turned to paranoia, and then it was kind of like, it seemed so real, but then luckily, the secretary of the guy who ran this course rang me up and she again just talked to me for like 30 40 minutes over me and it brought my mind back to kind of like like the grounding they say and it kind of grounded me again and then i could see what i'd done that i'd kind of created this story and this kind of reality but when i was in it i didn't realize at all i was in it i was just kind of like in it just from one thought i just suddenly got in this and i just couldn't see i was in it and my mum was kind of trying to and my family got quite scared in that but i was so lucky because i've known friends it's happened to and their family's panicked and they've taken them down to the doctor and then they get their diagnosis and then they get their pills and then they end up in hospital and basically they're screwed then and I know people have been completely screwed from that but because my family kind of already knew a bit about what I've been looking at and what I've been studying and that they kind of had some idea and luckily I had like connections as well who could help me and so they didn't panic but were really frightened about it because it was like they said it was like I just disappeared for like three weeks and that I wasn't there like I was physically there and so that's kind of the thing. I mean, it's kind of like when it happens, people think people are mentally ill and that, but actually they could be having an awakening. And because people don't understand it, they take them to the doctor and then the doctor will diagnose them as being ill. And whereas like if they kind of wrote it out and they had people around them who could kind of talk to them and bring them back, and it's that connection and talking and just kind of bringing it, the person it, it, back and it's not like seeing them as ill or that they've got to be treated for it. But you're right on that. You are completely right on that because we're talking a different language. That's what happens. Yeah. Okay, so what, when when you're telling that story, you pull me right back to a few friends that I had that actually ended up in the mental institution because yeah. they started talking about things that we don't want to mention. I don't want to publicise a few names of what I could actually call a few things, all right? I'm not going to give that that energy. But um, when when they got locked up and ended up with a diagnosis, I mean, to be honest, what I saw was a bit of weird behaviour, but what I was actually seeing was they were trying to say, what's going on around the world? That's not our problem. <laughs> the problem is what's going on with ourselves in, in here and how you can keep yourself safe. What message of productiveness can you give to somebody else so they can yeah. help somebody else up? And the problem with, with when you say you disappeared, I changed. My life changed. My thought process changed. And I believe that was based on the principles, also myself. And we're not recruiting. This is not a recruit. We literally sit there saying that my life changed because I discovered law of attraction. And that's based on three principles, thoughts, actions, visions. Yes? And when we talk to Harry Dubinsky that's coming up soon on the 7th of April, we'll announce that in a minute, he, it's thoughts, 
mind, thoughts, and consciousness. Same thing. Same thing. It's, it's very much kind of what it what kind is of it? is. It's an explanation how we work as human beings. Yeah. And so, because he says it's kind of three words for one thing, and it's kind of that spiritual energy. Some, I mean, lots of different names, isn't there? I mean, some people use it's the God same word, but re- don't a, like the God word. It's the same remit yeah. because if you go into when I say the thoughts you visualise. Yeah. Then I'm gonna say, well, tomorrow's gonna be really bad. There's gonna be a debt yeah, in yeah. the house. I'm gonna be bringing that nearer because we we are in yeah, a sort yeah, of yeah. virtual world, aren't we? So I'm gonna be bringing that. So if we can see what yeah. tomorrow looks like, yeah, then we can better our days. Um, yeah. The actions we take. This is going down to your chronic fatigue syndrome. This is how I'm relating it. The actions we take. You change the outcome to some of your uh, your disease, I call it your disability, is because you applied action to it. And um, you've done everything in your power to less concentrate on the chronic fatigue and to more concentrate on where you're going and what you can create. And that's yeah, what you're involved in. Kind of, I, mean, in... I, know, I mean, I haven't a lot of um, law of attraction. I mean, I watched a few Abraham Hicks and um, they were talking about your inner being, isn't it? Um, and connecting with your inner being. I think everybody reaches on their own understanding when they're listening yeah. or, or or watching anything. They're listening. It's the, they're, they're the ones that's got to figure out what the world is requesting yeah. or requiring from them, um, away from people. When it comes down to self, it's about yeah. self-respect and um, yeah. having the ability to, to move forward. Um, from... I think it's just well kind of, for me, the way I've kind of seen it and that is kind of realising we're so much more than what we've been told and the story we've created about ourselves and that we are actually all part of this greater system yeah. when they talk about the oneness and that actually we have so much more about us. And I was watching a, um, Anita Majana. I don't know if you've heard of Anita Majana. No, 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 no. She was a lady who'd been diagnosed with um, stage four cancer and she was in a coma about to die. And she had like tumours all over her body that you could visibly see. And the doctors told her there was no chance. Mm-hmm. And she had an exp- like a near-death experience where she went to the other side and just saw pure light and her father. And she realised that actually all the physical, all the stories and that just drop away. And that we're so much more powerful than we think we are. I was and, and we never realised that. And we realised that actually we are all part of this universe and that we actually, we're not restricted by what we think we are restricted by. No. It's just what told this from children that actually, and so it's kind of connecting with yourself that actually there is more to yourself than everything people think they are. And I, then when I think... you kind of realise that, that actually you can come through all these things and that, and you've got this resilience and this kind of pureness. And I think um, when we talk about, uh, and I, I don't like to get into religion, even if I like to get into religion or not get into religion. I'm not talking about religion. What I'm no. actually trying to say to you is, is that everybody has their own belief system. And it yeah. isn't about, oh, we must pray to a God. We're, you know, who knows? How, can you actually see a face of that word? Right? So I've, I've not actually had anyone describe what that person or or, 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 or what that is or, or whatever else and it's down to our own beliefs now I I do believe in something bigger than me yeah um, and that's because of those those hitting rock bottoms that's because of I look at life differently now that's why I'm able to manage my disability because yeah. I've changed the thought process um, into you, if you, if I remain negative state, then that will. Listen, when I was negative, when I was depressed, 
everything's you. And when you get cold sores and stuff like that, that's your body telling you your moon yeah, is yeah. down, your moon is down, you know, and, and then you can get in the urine infections again, that's your body telling you your immune system's down. So what better way to boost up your immune system is with meditation, yeah, and get into yourself spiritually. And that's that's hard, but um, it's be still, isn't it? You yeah, have to be still. You have to be still and try and put everything that you're feeling down just to figure out, right, if I can get a grip of this, it doesn't get a grip of me. And I think when we're dealing with meditation and we're dealing with trying to change the thought process, one of those things is your breathing techniques through pain. Because I don't know about you, when you were going through those stomach aches, was you actually taught to breathe? to, no, to deal with the pain because when women are in, in not supposing you don't know what this feels like but when women are in labour they're taught to pain management with breathing techniques and we forget that even though we have children or not have children we forget that it's not just for pregnant women those breathing techniques are for everyone children and adults yeah. grandparents because the breathing techniques take away the uh, physical part of because you're concentrating on listening to something else so breathing meditation looking at life in a different way than than what we've been accustomed to has been beneficial for you right yeah but I mean also when you kind of say about the words is the words are kind of again a label aren't they to try and describe what's before um, kind of creation or before the form or before reality mm. and because words are kind of after reality aren't they what humans have created mm. they're trying to describe something that hasn't um manifested that. and the way i kind of saw it was that like a mountain was still there way before we called it a mountain but it still existed didn't it yes, and it's kind of these things we label everything like we call a tree a tree but the name tree isn't a tree or we kind of say grass but the name grass isn't the grass and i or, used to ask that question at school yeah. It, who, if, 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 if man had been around for a long time, but the first person who named the sky the sky, who named the sea the sea, I, asked, I already asked those questions when I was at school, teenager. Well, why is the sky called a sky? Why is the, the why, how did you make these names out? People put names and labels on everything, right? Start with one person putting a label on everything. Mm. So it's, it's, the understanding what they mean but even if you said like the word water and you've never seen water before somebody labelled it water but it could be lemonade right that's what I'm saying yeah. <laughs> so what you, what, yeah like you know when well, like go on Jeff I was going to say even feelings and that I mean you can't really describe a feeling can you I mean they kind of label feelings and you kind of labelled it from a child and they even said to me, well, you can't really identify feelings properly, but it's how can you? I mean, like you say, you're, you're anxious and that you've got butterflies in your stomach. But I mean, what does that mean? I mean, it doesn't mean anything, does yeah. it? It's like, I mean, I if you put butterflies in your stomach, it wouldn't feel like anxiety. It would feel yeah. completely different. So it's kind of, and it's that search for the feeling, the kind of the great feeling and the, the purity. And that's kind of what we're looking for, isn't it, as human beings? Because every human being is kind of looking for something. And they kind of go searching in the outside world and they don't realise that it's actually within them always mm. and that every person has it in them yeah. and it's when they can kind of 
uncover it and they kind of buried it and we all bury it and uh, all this kind of muck and life and stories and everything really and it's when we can kind of chip away at it and then it kind of the light comes out and it's the light that can't be extinguished and so it's realizing that isn't it that we're not broken or damaged it's just that we've kind of lost that light and it's still there but we just don't know it's there thank you i'm going to say you've what you've done is you've painted a really good picture so you've given us this childhood perhaps the adulthood and where you are now is you're going out there you're helping other people um we connected uh for me to understand your world i needed to be a part of your world if, if not for a day or a couple does that make sense so i've come to you i've understood um a little bit about your life without that explanation i wouldn't be aware of your disabilities i don't see a disability within you because you show up today that is an ability and and that's an example showing up so thank you so we just put out there quickly, you're returning back with the MOM project, aren't you, on the 7th of April at 5pm. And this is a two hour session. And there's probably, I think there's about 11 testimonials um, coming to talk about pursuit of the truth regarding mental health. In Ada Sydney Banks, and it's delivered by Harry Dubitsky and yourself, Joe. So yeah. you you are bringing awareness to us from a different level, from the traumas to the change. And um, I look forward to speaking to you then on the seventh with the other guys. And uh, is there anything you want to tell everybody before we leave? So well, today's topic was chronic fatigue syndrome and also change of mindset um yeah will, will you come back and tell us about asperger's please because i always think it's best that everybody we hear these about children uh, we hear these these um disorders these labels these diagnoses these disabilities but a lot of people don't understand them and if we're going to relate then we need yeah. to understand would you come back again and please educate us around yeah, sure, yeah. asperger's i really would appreciate that and I guess it's kind of the thing I'd end up is that we're trying to show that there's hope even when you've been told there isn't or believe there isn't. Yeah. Yeah. So and don't always listen to what the experts tell you because just because they have a, a, a lot of letters after their name and that doesn't know, mean they know what they're talking about. So. No, you want the lived experience, don't you? You want the lived experience. You you take information from each and every individual, but ultimately. The choice is always yours to think about. Yeah. Thank you very much, Joe. Um, I really do appreciate your time here today. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see you on the seventh. Pursuit yeah, of the truth regarding mental health. You'll see a lot more of Joe because Joe is going to be raising awareness and um, taking a lot of interviews to help other people to discover the meaning of these labels, but the meaning of life. Thank you very much. We are Mind Over Matter.